welcome to another episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast. I'm Andrew Southwick, once again, joined by uh, Lore Exec Aficionado Extraordinaire, um, and by the way, a breakfast connoisseur like none other. Uh, it is <laughs> Mr. Jason Farley. How are you doing today? Good. Breakfast is the best meal of the day. It is. There are so many breakfast foods that work all the time. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, we all know about Jerry Seinfeld and his love of cereal, but I have the same. I could eat cereal probably for the rest of my life and be satisfied. Yeah. Um, but then every other breakfast food, because it's it's basically they call it the most important meal of the day, but it's basically dessert. Almost, it is. All, yeah. all almost food. all of it is. Yeah, it's, they make meat a dessert. You know, right. for breakfast. You know, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, you can get. I mean, my I, I've watched my son put maple syrup on his sausage, and you don't get to do that any other time yeah. of the day. I mean, unless you're an elf, I guess. If you're trying to do it at dinner, you would have gotten in trouble. Yeah, right. It's like, oh, can you go get the syrup? You're like, no, it's not. You don't put syrup on your dinner. <laughs> you yeah, it on your breakfast. Yeah, I know. It's what. And it's, yeah, but if you think about it, like sausage and pancakes, is you know, it's like cake and candy. It's it, it, it really is. is. It's cake. Anyway. <laughs> meat, meat, meat candies. It literally says cake, and they and we, and they wonder why we turned out the way we did. Okay. <laughs> I was. I recently had some folks visiting. For, uh, a friend called and said, "Hey, I have some fo- some folks flying through Spokane. Can you pick them up at the airport?" And I was like, "Sure. Can I take them out to breakfast?" Like, yeah. So I took them out to breakfast, and they were from New York, and took them to our famous diner, Frank's Diner here in Spokane. It's very famous. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Um, it's you know the Food Network famous. Yeah. Um, and uh, it said, you know, we're special today is biscuits and gravy. And they said, biscuits and gravy. Uh, well, that sounds disgusting. What's that? And I was like, you've never had biscuits and gravy? So I ordered biscuits and gravy just so they could taste it and watch their face light up. And you say, it changes. There, it changes. Yeah, that's this is what you get growing up organic in New York. You never get to taste <laughs> the good things. That's true. That's true. Now, I'm not, I, like gravy was a huge staple, especially in my grandma's house. I've never been a fan of gravy. I just don't like eating brown liquids i don't know if that's mm. or gray liquids i'm I just i yeah. avoid them but um i mean when you put them over a meal <laughs> i need drink, yeah. i do drink Pepsi, which i guess is a brown liquid but technically it's red so it, that's so true no yeah. yeah but um but the well, you're, biscuits, you're well within your christian freedom to not like gravy that's good. that's allowed <laughs> isn't that in romans 14 or something yeah somewhere around there <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And all right. Okay. Well, um, we got a couple of stories we're going to talk about today, and then also want to respond to an objection that I've seen come up on some of Lure's uh, Facebook posts and things like that. And, it, and it's a, it's a. I think it's a valid concern, a valid objection. So we're going to get to that. That'll be our our, um, our final question. But first, want to get to one of the big stories. Of course, we've all heard, or maybe most of us have seen, full disclosure, I have not yet because I can never leave my garage. But um, Sound of Freedom, Jim Caviezel, and of course, Sound of Freedom, uh, everybody's celebrating because look, it beat the Woke Hollywood and it, it, it beat Dial of Destiny and all this other stuff. Although Dial of Destiny, from what I hear, it wasn't hard to defeat that anyway. But not to take anything away from uh, Sound of Freedom, um, and it's you know it's getting uh, fantastic reviews, fantastic audience response. Before I get to the article, Jim Caviezel said something that is not getting any play 
almost anywhere. I didn't see it in a church leader's article, and I was surprised it wasn't a church leader's article, given how um, left on the, the spectrum they seem to be uh, in recent years. But nonetheless, um, I'm gonna. I want to ask you about this, Jason. But first, um, did you get a chance to see it? What are what and what is your response to it? If you did, I I didn't get a chance to see it yet. Okay. No, well, I saw. You have no yeah, idea. I, I did see Dial of Destiny, but I didn't see <laughs> the. Well, no, but I, it had. Like Indiana Jones. I, it was very sentimental, and they leaned into the sentiment aspect. I liked okay. that part of it. They, okay. They they tried to set it up so that his niece or goddaughter could take over the role of Indiana Jones, and it didn't mm. work. Ah. They should have. They should have done short round. Everybody that knows oh. anything knows that Short Round should have been the next Indiana Jones. That and would be they, cool, especially because that would have been great right now. I know they missed they missed that they that that would have been the right thing to do, um, and they missed it. But um, but it, the, the sentiment part was good. They've did they've the same they had the same problem with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, where instead of a uh, magic or spiritual power they tried to find a mathematically scientifically verifiable power and, and that just doesn't work in the universe they they don't understand what made the first three great and whatever whenever you're looking for a mathematically or scientifically valid power you land on aliens you know yeah. i mean well, i think we we if we learn nothing through covid we learned that aliens did it right yeah so this was tears in space time Tears in the space-time continuum, and and I, I don't have any problem with tears in the space-time continuum as a as a story tool. I, I I've read my fair share of comics that had so, um, but uh, my my problem is that they just don't understand the universe, the outer boundaries of the universe that they that was set up by the first three movies, um, and uh, the and so you just the whole time you think, but this isn't the right kind of thing. This isn't the right kind of thing that you've got here. It's not an ancient artifact that um, that everybody's already looking for. It's not a spiritual power that Indiana Jones is going to kind of doubt. You know, all, all of the things that made the, the first few great and then put him into a position where he has to choose, am I going to believe in magic or not? Or believe in a spiritual power or believe, you know. Uh, so, um, but, I mean, Harrison Ford... Dude's so charming, you know. He could read the we could read the back of a cereal box, and I'd watch. Yeah, um, he he's the the actress that they got was actually she was really good, um, and did a great job in the role. It's really just trying to figure out: Are we going to keep it? Be able to keep Indiana Jones alive when Harrison Ford dies? That's the and I, I they if they would have gone back to short round and had they could have. Um, but instead, they tried to grab a new character and yeah. set it up, which they tried to do the same thing with uh, Shia, La Shia LaBeouf and yeah, you know, Crystal Skulls, and it just, mm -hmm. it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, it, now, Crystal Skull, both of these, it seems like kind of the ending was the letdown in both uh, episodes four and five of Indiana Jones, and that just tells you, man, if you don't seal, if you don't land the plane well, Actually, yeah. that's a great metaphor for a lot of things. You can take off well. You can have a great middle because actually I liked Indy 4 up until the ending. The ending yep. is what ruined it for me. Yeah. I was like, oh, nope, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in on that. And it's, it's like <laughs> when if you 
if you get to your destination and crash on the runway, that is an unsuccessful flight. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. No matter how no matter how smooth the takeoff was. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't matter. Nobody cares yeah. that you that you hand out handed out gummy bears instead of peanuts this time. It uh, <laughs> that sucked. You know. So. Yeah. I, I remember the reveal at the end of Crystal Skulls. My wife and I looked at each other and I was like, "Nope." Yeah. No. Right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> <laughs> and like I like I literally believe in dragons, so I don't. So I'm just like I'm not a hard person to convince of something, but they did not set it up well, or or set the universe up in such a way, or make enough adjustments to the universe up in such such a way that that could feel believable at all. So yeah, and well, and right. yeah, that's just and that's that's all like what I'm looking for in a great movie it is that they that it's a universe that people want to spend time in people that people want to spend time with and a story that's emotionally satisfying right mm -hmm. um, because it you know it, it it lines up with the right parts of reality in such a way that it can be emotionally satisfying to partake in um and uh you know that that's why uh, so many people i think are really have really been moved by the sound of freedom so many people have been really, really excited by it, and you know, um, you know, I have people saying, "Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet?" Because they loved it, um, and they they uh, they want quote unquote an expert opinion to confirm to them. And I always tell people, like, if you like the movie, don't go just don't go ask the experts. Yeah. Just enjoy the movie that you liked, right? like. Like most experts are frauds anyway. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I when, never like I used to. You, like so on my other show on Culture Crossroads radio show and podcast, find it in podpoint.com, podpoint.com. But um on my other uh show, I when I when I interview people, I never call them an expert because that term has just been so screwed up. And I know that's not right. a topic we're on. I just wanted to add that factoid of information for four of you that might care. Anyway, finish your thought. Go ahead. Well, no, it's totally true because I do some long form um kind of point by point movie breakdowns mm -hmm. uh, to show on on my other podcast uh knocks on plugs i don't know how to pod point whatever that means but yeah. but <laughs> um, platform that my podcast archives are held okay got it okay so um do kind of long form movie breakdowns to show how plots work to help people understand what it what it is to for a uh a movie to have been coherent or not right so mm -hmm. if somebody comes and they say i didn't like that movie because okay, that's fine um but that you haven't yet told me that you think the movie is a good movie or a bad movie right yeah because they're because you you could say that movie doesn't hold together because the the act one doesn't um successfully lead all the way through to act three and say okay that's an argument that it's a badly made movie or poorly made movie um and so when somebody comes in and they say i didn't like the politics in that movie they're not making an argument that the movie was poorly executed or that the movie was bad and there was a lot of that with like uh the the new black panther uh wakanda forever people that said i didn't like the politics in that movie and so it was therefore it was a bad movie so well no that was actually quite a good movie um it was maybe it was arguing for something you didn't like, but uh, that's the that's a different thing. You don't you can't fight back against an argument that you there, can't there, break down. 
there is right, a, that you can't break down and say here's where the argument went wrong and so i didn't like it this isn't a good argument against the politics of the movie and there is a distinction between unlike the politics or unlike the message and whether or not the story just as a story is a good story i have another a friend of mine longtime friend uh is a pastor been a pastor forever like and i respect his opinion on everything one of those guys right right yeah yeah and, you know you remember years ago the da vinci code and of course, that got a, a bunch of flack because Dan Brown is, you know, clearly not a yeah. believer, um, right. et cetera, et cetera. And I asked him about it. You know, is this something I should see or not? Because yeah, I like Tom Hanks, and you know, I was okay. Although I, I watched the Da Vinci Code, I just thought it was boring. So my taste, not for me. But um, he said, no, it's actually it is a good story. He said it's not, you know, it, 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 yes, it's talking a lot about things that if that were true, if he were making that case um scientifically or historically we'd have a different view but he said the story itself is a good story um yeah. he said you know it could have been he, he could have used different um uh he could have used a different context and told the same story and maybe it would have been a little bit easier for people to swallow but he said that was a you know it was a good story even though yeah you can see if you're actually saying those things or reporting them you'd be you'd be walking on the blasphemy line um right but maybe you kind of so you're, you're kind of illustrating something to that effect, right? With yeah, yeah, like, forever like, or, or Indiana Jones. If either. if you if somebody was like, I didn't like National Treasure because that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. I would say okay, okay. That I agree. I don't think that there is a secret map on the back of the of any of the documents. From the I believe that now. I absolutely <laughs> believe that now. I think that, that was. I think that that was like a covert way <laughs> to get the truth out. Like I'm. I'm right. It would not surprise me one bit. Not one bit. <laughs> if yeah, at, at this point, yeah. If somebody, you know, what I just heard somebody say, what's the difference between the conspiracy series? conspiracy theory and the truth is six months <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I'm, I'm fine with it sure right <laughs> but but i think when you when it comes right every every story is an argument is arguing for mm -hmm. something or or a series of things um by showing some things to be beautiful some things to be ugly and you know um and so you can have uh like like for example uh that new movie the whale yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to object about what was in that movie and that that sort of thing, which is, uh, which I think um, we can do. But I also think that it wasn't a movie just because it was about a homosexual that left his wife. It wasn't a movie that said, you know what, a good thing to do is right <laughs> be a homosexual right. and leave your wife. That will lead to some deep satisfaction for you and for the whole family, especially the kids. Right, like. That it was an argument against that by telling a, a story ab about uh, all of the destruction in the wake of a guy who ignored his vows and went off and mm -hmm. pursued his uh, pursued his lusts, right? And um, at, at, at all of them, right? And so you've got a guy who who thought he was going to find satisfaction by uh, following each and every uh, desire he ever had. Uh, to the nth degree and it destroyed him but it didn't stay the destruction didn't stay in one place right the destruction destro destroyed everybody else um that he was so you um because something is in a movie is not the same thing as some a movie saying it's a good thing and so uh and we have a tendency to judge we conservative christians have a tendency to judge a movie based on what's not in it 
rather than really learning how to judge a movie based on what it is, what it's, whether it's well done, what it's arguing for. Uh, and so because of that, we, we, kids will come along and, well, one, you have movies like X-Men 2 um, where you have all sorts of Christians involved in it. And it's not until it comes out that anyone looks around and says, hey, do you think that might be homosexual propaganda? <laughs> <laughs> And, and all the Christians are like, oh, I hope not. I spent a lot of time working on that. <laughs> um, but but the uh, it was because we don't each person was just doing their particular spot and their thing, um, you know, all the way up to the producer level. And um, and then the but the writer had worked in his I, just because he's a true believer. He you know, the greatest thing ever is the liberation of homosexuality upon the culture um mm -hmm. he he worked in as that's the good that's the good goal right uh, um subtly all throughout and so all of a sudden you've got christians that accidentally helped not just yeah. because they weren't prepped and ready and and a, a lot of them watched it and were like well the first one was great and it was the first x-men was really great and they watched the second one and they're like well that was fun and then they missed the whole thing right because we can't we don't understand how story works, how narrative arguments work. We don't understand any of that, and so um, we we lose the art, we lose the war. <laughs> we lose a lot. Uh, that yeah. So if you're looking for a, a way to introduce a topic in the longest way possible, you can uh, follow Jason and I uh, here, and uh, you'll know <laughs> how to take the long way around to any point, <laughs> <laughs> any particular topic. That's my, that's my spiritual gift. Yeah, why not? It's, here, let me show you a shortcut. It's twice, twice as long, dude. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, okay. I gotta call you back. All right. Um, that's what happens. We do, you know, we record this live. I get phone calls. I'd like to take that one, but we're doing this because I love you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jim Caviezel, star of Sound of Freedom, uh, was was featured in an article and had some interesting things to say about modern day Christianity. I don't know if you did you see any of this come through, Jason? Because I'm no, about to I tell didn't. You. So uh, we talked about the Sound of Freedom, and we're going to get back to some of this because there's some things even that you alluded to just uh, in in what we just talked about. I want to bring back at the end because it's going to tie into lure and and uh, some of the choices that we make. <clears throat> as filmmakers, Christian filmmakers, storytellers, and as the lure platform itself. But anyway, Jim Caviezel quoted as saying, modern-day Christianity has become so weak and useless. Modern-day Christians are more afraid of the devil than they are of God. God, uh, and then he goes on to say, God could destroy the devil without a glance, but he looks to us to make a decision. I'm not sure what the theology is behind that statement. But he went on to say, the actor said he believes the U.S. has descended into moral depravity as a result of God being rejected from our religion and universities. He continues, quote, laws don't mean anything anymore. We don't have a First Amendment. There's no such thing as free speech. You're absolutely destroyed everywhere, and the media throws out that everybody's a racist. Okay. He, there's a lot that he that he just said there. I want to start with the first two sentences. Modern-day Christianity has become weak and useless, and modern-day Christians are more afraid of the devil than they are of God. I want to start there with you because one of the things I think that we have talked about on this podcast, I think many Christians talk about all the time, is that stuff that comes out in the Christian genre tends to be watered down or, you know, cheesy is the word that everybody uses. And I do want to make a distinction. I always make it, but I'm always going to make it every time I talk about this. I actually think that has more to do 
with the Christian industry than it does the filmmakers and actors and, and uh, people that are yeah. trying to tell the stories because the, because in order to get a movie made, uh, you, you need a lot of favors. You, you just do. And some, you know, whether it's, whether it's the way we're doing it with lure with more of a crowdfunding style of approach to, uh, to getting the movies made, or if you're going into a, a production company and they'll say, yeah, we'll do that, but we need to do X, Y, or Z. I would know that from, uh, you know, the music industry and you have a bunch of songs that you like, you take them in and your producer, you sign a deal, your producer says, okay, um, this is now the chorus. This is now the verse. That bridge is gone and somebody else is going to play the guitar because you suck, you know, and like, and that, it, which, well, that never happened to me, but it happens. But anyway, um, but no, the, the restructuring of the, of the, of the narrative, the, let's change the key. Let's, we need to change, we, let's rewrite this script that goes on in every movie all the time, which is why it takes years for movies to be made. So you can understand, especially when a Christian, if they have a message they want to share through film, they have an opportunity to do it. They're going to take it. Hallmark produces it. Great American Family produces it. Um, Angel Studios produces it. We're going to talk about that tomorrow with Marcus. But um, the we're going to take that opportunity. In taking that opportunity, the watered down stuff comes in. That that's what I that's what I see from this. Um, first in terms of the industry and how that works, is that an accurate assessment of why the cheese is produced in such high-end mass quantities? Yeah, the, the person with the money um, is the one who gets to make the final decision. And for whatever reason, conservative Christians don't spend their money on media. Right? We don't spend our money getting media, good media made. So... Um, but it, it have it's the same in the secular side you know um the you know, I, one of the movies that i sold was a teen thriller um at, at scripts scripts i sold was a teen thriller because they were asking for a teen thriller and they had money and i had bills and so <laughs> i said i can here's the teen thriller i would write you and they said we like it and i wrote it and they paid me for it and um, you know that that happens um we you, hallmarks has a very specific um setup uh, and that says here's what we want um on page three you have to have this on page nine you have to have this and and so their setup is really strict and they've got money and people that love making movies make sacrifices all of the time and they would make different movies better movies often um if they had the freedom to do it but money is the the freeing factor um that ends up causing a lot of things to be made because they think i can monetize cheese i know where to sell cheese uh, and, and other things before, we, before sure. we poo poo an artist's integrity for taking such a deal we make those choices all the time in different avenues of our life we all if it well back in the day when you could afford a home uh, you know, you, you would make the home you have in your head is not the one you bought usually, you know, and the stuff that's wrong with it is not the stuff you thought was going to be wrong with it. And the improvements you made are not the ones you thought were going to be made, but you went in knowing, okay, we didn't get the garage, but we got the backyard or we didn't get this, but we got that. I mean, that, it's really, it's that kind of equation, that kind of, those kinds of factors that, that you're making now with that as the backdrop, then. Artists are trying to do what they do. Christians try to do what they do. You have Jim Caviezel 
saying that modern day Christianity has become weak and useless. Now, I would say that that would then affect or impact the stories that we tell, so on and so forth. And one of the things I was talking with my wife just last night about how I think one of the things that all people want, and certainly Christians, is we want an honest, an honest telling of, of the stories. We we want right. we want whether it's in entertainment or whether it's whether it's on Sunday morning. We want it. We, we want honest life. What is it really like to be a Christian and live through this world? What is sanctification? Being freed from the power of sin over the course of a lifetime. What is that really like? How you know? Are we are we really supposed to walk around with a smile on our face? If the joy of the Lord is our strength, and I don't feel much joy right now. Do I have strength? If, if, if this is going on in my life, does that mean I need to pray harder or somehow have more faith as if, you know, these kinds of things. And, and but that's, that's where those kinds of doctrines come from is this, is, is a non-real life Christianity. Right. Yeah. I, and I think that we have, he still is touching on that. Go ahead. Well, yeah, that, and, and I think that's why, um, well, most of the tickets that are bought for Christian movies are bought by churches buying out theaters. And um, that's why it's so important that, that the useless and effeminate Christianity that we have now is the culprit behind why we have useless and effeminate movies. Uh, Effeminate is different than feminine. Effeminate is when something is feminine when it ought not to be. Right. Mm. Um, Christianity can be masculine. There can be masculine and feminine Christianity, depending on if you're a man or a woman. Effeminate Christianity is when all the men are acting like feminine, are acting out feminine Christianity, and and that's what we have. Is it so? You if the person that you're trying to convince to buy movie tickets is really the pastor, because churches buy out theaters and then uh, hand out tickets as an evangelistic event or a fellowship event, um, but if you're trying to convince pastors to buy it and they have to judge it based on um, never, no one in the whole church ever being offended, um, then you have to go lowest, lowest common denominator. And there are some great lowest common denominator movies out there. Um, but uh, I was going to say the same well, lot, but then I thought, no, everybody can find something to be offended by. Dude, the sand, the sand lot. I like the sand lot. I just, my kids and I just watched it a couple of months ago. It was a hit. We never watched things like It's a like great that. movie. Fantastic. You're killing me. Yeah. Come on now. I've got a Sandlot t shirt. I should wear it. No more yeah. than but, Sandlot's yeah. one of my favorite movies. I, I love that movie. There's Beautiful. very few movies that you'd say that's almost a perfect movie. And that's one yeah. of them. It's just, it's really cool. Anyway, uh, the, okay, so. You, the effeminate Christianity, you talked about how pastors are the target for marketing when it comes to Christian yep. film because churches are going to buy the tickets to fill up the theaters, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Okay, that, that, that brings to my mind another question when it comes to the cheesiness of Christianity, the cheesiness of, of Christian culture, I should say, and, and in, the, and in turn, or as a result, by extension, Christian films. Is it because we, as the congregation are demanding we not be offended, that then that puts pressure on the ones with money who want their return on investment to dumb it down. And so you have this weird feedback loop. The pastor's worried about all the emails and conversations and phone calls he's going to have next week because we went to see this movie and people just could not fathom that somebody kissed somebody. And, um, you know, they, they were just dating, even though they wore their 
you know, saddle shoes and whatever else, and they were at the ice skating rink. But or or and you've got the the producer, the studio producer, saying, "I know that that pastor is not going to buy these tickets, and so I'm not going to get the return on the investment I'm going to put in. So I have to water this down." Yeah, and you know, and then round and round we go. Am, am I am I on the trail here? You are. Do you want do you want my hot take on it? I'd love here's your my hot. hot. Here's my hot take on it. The church taught the culture how to cancel people. Mm. We are the ones that developed that system of of canceling people. Uh, the world just ran with it. Right, because the 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 culture is always the tail of, and the church is the head. We're the ones that lead the way. We have been canceling people for a while now, um, and so we we're and we do it. You know, it starts, and this is how we train our kids to do it. We everybody on the way home from church, we all roast the pastor and his sermon, and we have a little bit of roast pastor for lunch. Oh, this is this about the sermon, that about the sermon, and we. Um, and the kids learn, grow up, they grow up in a culture, uh, in a family culture that says, oh yeah, if somebody says something I don't like, then I, I get to ignore them. If somebody says something that offends me or hurts my feelings, I get to ignore them. And so we, uh, we demand that of the pastor and then the pastors that get really good at that, get huge congregations. And then we think they must be really good at their job, but really they're just good at not offending people. And so that people gather up but you know what jesus offended people until they killed him well, that's okay. how he's that's how he saved them <laughs> and, and I, my my you know i have a background <clears throat> excuse me as a pastor and a church planter both as a worship leader and a teaching pastor a senior pastor and so i've definitely experienced those things and, and seen it and and uh, on and on and on and to different and i've had different outcomes i've seen it turn out well and i've seen it turn out terribly yep. and i've been you know i've been close to burnout i've been close to you know, Jesus, well, in fact, I have been at the point, Jesus, I, I love you, but you can have your people. I want nothing to do with <laughs> yeah. And And I never wanted to go back to church again. Like I've been there and it was, it was, and God had to bring me back in to his community, even with all the nonsense, because that is a part of his uh, plan and command for, for, for his kids. But so if we are, the originators of cancel culture, and uh, what I was what I was going to say, you can see that a lot in the church hopping and the church mm -hmm. leaving, and um, you know uh, we're looking around and that kind of thing. People always look. What are the things that people look for churches for? And if you're watching the the this online, love you to love for you to answer this question in the comments as well. I don't want to start an argument, although that's inevitable. But um, what are what are the things that most people leave churches for? Go ahead and leave those in the comments. Like to hear from you, Laura Entertainment Podcast, uh, and also Laura.tv. But anyway, so what I see mostly is people either leaving churches or going to churches. And when they look for churches, they're like, does it have a children's ministry? Is the music good? Is the pastor engaging? Do they preach, quote unquote, from the word? Now that is in quotes because that means something different to every single person. I think that we set ourselves up a lot of times as the arbiters of God's truth. Yeah. And then we create a word in our image. And it's from the word if it aligns with, with us and our filter of God's word. That's, that, there's my hot take on that. Now, what one one thing we don't usually ask when looking for a church is: Is this church on mission? Is this church committed to being the church as Jesus wants her to be? 
we look for all the things the church offers. We look for the, the, the culture club, the community club, all these kinds of things. We make ourselves, well, I need to have my needs met. And the church's first purpose is not to meet your needs. The, 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 right. You know, that happens as a part of being in a, in a body of believers. That's going to happen. But that's not their first purpose. I would say that's not even in the top five. It's something that happens as you're obeying God for sure, because God will put it on people's hearts. Hey, I need to reach out to you, so on and so forth. But we seem to have just whittled the church down to, have you ever heard the phrase, and I know now I'm on a soapbox here, but have you ever heard the <laughs> phrase, uh, the church is like a hospital for the broken? I'm sure you have. Yeah, um, yeah. Years ago, God smacked me on the head with, he didn't download anything into my brain, but he did <laughs> tell me. I know that. I know you hear that all the time. Um, I hate that so much. <laughs> so, um, the, but he, he, he did. I, he, the Holy Spirit did make my spirit aware of this. That we, the reason we call it, if we're honest, is because we want to go in and we just want somebody to come and feed us food and, and feed us the Bible so we don't have to do it and feed us worship and feed us this and feed us that. And we, we even we even bastardize worship because it's for Jesus. It's not for us. But we get mad because the songs are songs we don't like. Well, that's good because they're not for you anyway. So praise the Lord. But, you know, we, on and on and on. A hospital actually is supposed to make you uncomfortable in your illness and get you back on your feet and out of there. The hospital is not a place where you just go and sit and, and linger and die and sing your favorite songs and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the food is bad. The place is, I don't know why anybody would want to call the church a hospital. It's a Petri dish of all kinds of unholy things, and, you know? So, but anyway, we, but, but really what we're describing is a hospice. Let's make you comfortable because your sin is killing you and you don't yeah. want it to. You don't want to admit that. You don't want to repent. You want redemption without repentance. You want you want purpose without repentance. You want to be engaged without that. We skip the step of repentance over and over and over again as churches, as individuals. But we're looking for a church that will accommodate that. And if they can do it, and I don't have to sit next to my kids, if you could just take my kids and put them over there, <laughs> that would be great, too. And that seems to be, at least for many decades, how how we search for churches and why we left them because we left them because we did, they didn't meet those standards. Yeah. Now, yeah. Here in Spokane, we've got these giant old empty church buildings that were because every seven to 10 years, there's a quote unquote revival at a new church. And, every, and there's this group that has been moving from one church to the next yeah. church and they leave behind this giant church building um, empty because mm -hmm. that place is no longer the place where the revival is going on. Yes, and of course. It's, and it's so, it, it, it's, it, on the one hand, it's fascinating to watch. On the other hand, it's really a sad, it's a sad commentary to see um, big empty church buildings that once were the hottest church in town. Um, and it's just from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s and now i think there's um there's a new one that's growing like mad and i think it's going to become but it's the same group of people they just move around but i think you also have though what's beginning to happen and 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 i and again i think one of the things that maybe the the covid thing reaped um it reeked but also reaped R E A P um was we're getting closer at least some people are Getting closer to wait a minute. This this has not been honest or authentic the entire time, right? Now yeah. we 
both our nation, right? And for as many, for as many things, and I just, well, whatever. I think America is the greatest country the world has ever seen. And I am so glad that God put me here. And now, even now, at the same time, in as, in, as, in as much as we've been able to course correct some evils, we also continue some evils and figure out how to turn them into industries. And so we're complicated just like every other nation. There are things where we're the good guy and there are things where we're the bad guy. Um, right. You know, and it's weird to think of America as the bad guy because I always think of America as the good guy, but sometimes we're not. And, but, but we do have a way to course correct, or at least we used to, Right. We'll, see if that, we'll see if that maintains, at least on the national We still side. technically do on paper. Yeah, and that paper's pretty yeah. darn important, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> but, um, well, yeah. I don't know what happened where you are, but what COVID did here was there. it showed what churches were more concerned about what Jesus said and were willing to stand up against the authorities that were overstepping. Um, and it wasn't the churches that you would normally find yourself aligned with. So my church is Presbyterian church and we found ourselves aligned with um, Baptist churches, dispensational churches, charismatic churches, um, re uh, reformed Baptist churches. Uh, the there And you look at each other and you're like, Oh, we're the ones that I guess said, Hey, the, Jesus tells us when to open and close. You don't. And and there was a you know, a letter written and to the to the sheriff and the mayor and by a group of churches that you wouldn't we wouldn't have known these are the ones that care most about Jesus um, without well, COVID coming along. That's exactly what I was going to say. The the reaping the other reaping the, not the national one but the the spiritual one was hey wait a minute we we want this needs to be real and even in, and and for those of us who 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 do have some self-reflection, hopefully humility before God. We said, you know what? I've been, I've been playing in fantasy land too, in Christian fantasy land and religious mm -hmm. fantasy land. And what my soul really wants is the honesty of actually following Jesus. And you saw that in different churches. And, but I got to tell you, Jason, uh, and this may be something we might be breaking some news here. Are you, do you mean to tell me that you in a Presbyterian church that you, that you actually partnered with like, other Baptist churches. I'm 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 Baptist, so you know. I mean, yeah, look, yeah. And that, and that, yeah, that it's possible both of you might actually be in heaven, <laughs> even though, right, yeah. What it, it, about about what the tribulation is? Are you saying that right now? Because that right, just, I mean, blow me down. Oh yeah! All of a sudden, it was like, oh, we have we differ on eschatology, sacramentology, ecclesiology, um, but what we all agree on the the way my pastor put it was. Jesus hasn't given us permission to not have worship on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. He, that has, so it would take more than, Hey, some people are sick to, to then to, to realize, Oh, well, Jesus is actually the one that tells us to gather. And he has told us something different. He hasn't. And so, mm -hmm. and, and the other churches that, uh, that agree on the authority of Christ being real, you know, in the world, in our lives, that really is the unifying factor, right? Because it's faith is the mark of yeah. Christian of Christianity, right? Faith is the mark of covenant keeping. Faith is how we stand before the Lord uh, justified. And so when you look around and say, oh, well, I guess here's the people with faith, right? <laughs> we found each other. It, it, it took it took uh, a little bit of tri uh, tr uh, trial and tribulation to unify us because otherwise you know, we all... 
we're hard to get each of us is hard to get along with and so um and we're gonna need to ha- we're gonna need to have those bridges built right yeah as the heat turns up i mean those are the people that we're gonna align with i mean how many of us found right. out people in our own current churches that we're no longer connected with anymore because of because right. of the events of of the past few years so with all this kind of being said because it's a broad statement that mr caviezel made about christianity becoming weak and useless do you think what do you think if he is correct what what do you think and why and then also i do want to add this asterisk too i'm always careful when we say modern-day Christianity, capital C, we're also talking about capital C, the church, which would include, you know, the Presbyterians, the Baptists, and all blah, blah, blah. Well, the church is the bride of Christ. Now, if you were uh, to badmouth my bride, for example, we would have a problem, you and me, <laughs> you know? Right. And so I want to be careful because we don't want to badmouth the bride of Christ, but we do what we can and are supposed to, you know, correct and, and uh, rebuke with the goal of restoration and, and, uh, and um, redemption when it comes to being fellow brides of Christ. Um, so when we say weak and useless, there may be need, there maybe needs to be a little bit of a distinction because it's not that the church is useless. Just like, you know, I don't like the movie. Therefore the movie is bad. Um, I don't like this about church. Therefore church is bad. That's right. not true. Um, but what do you think is making us weak and useless? And, and then I would also add to that, our, our now our newly awakened thirst for, for the genuineness, for the real, do you think that will help the weak and uselessness begin to dissipate and the church becomes what she is um, and what she was made to be? Yeah, it, and it's hard because I think there's a lot of things making the church weak and useless, and at the center of it is our lack of unity, um, that we aren't pulled together as God's people uh, around our love for Christ. But that's the that's the first thing. But I think the reason, a big part of that, is the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. At the sto- we don't know our we don't know church history anymore. We don't know the many stories that we've always told uh, that give us courage that give us uh, hope in the resurrection and that make us the kind of people that are willing to uh, face down the mob um, when the mob comes with pitchforks, right? We're, we're not a courageous people anymore because we don't tell ourselves stories of the courageous people of the past. We don't tell ourselves stories of Polycarp, for example, who mm. stood up against the entire Roman empire and the Roman empire lost, right? The, it was a yeah. tiny band of Christians that stood up against the empire and the empire um, is the one that lost. Nobody even remembers the name of the governor that Polycarp stood in front of um, that. The, the, and it looked like the governor won. His name was Palpatine. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Basically. I mean, we, we the, the story, Star Wars, the story, the story, the reason Star Wars is such a powerful story is because uh, it really, I mean, he, he combined the, the, uh, stories of the ancient church in rome with a western and set it in space right Mm -hmm. um and and that's what that's what makes it so powerful is that story resonates because that story is true a small band uh that has the truth on their side that that uh, loves one another and is willing to sacrifice can overthrow an empire uh, an evil empire 
and uh, because an evil empire is that is insistent or that is using death to control as soon as you're not afraid of death anymore they can't control you um and that you realize that death is a terrible foundation to build anything upon so uh, we don't tell ourselves it's a storytelling contest and we've stopped telling stories there's so much that you just said and we don't have time to get into all of it but death as the power once you once you are not afraid of death they can't control you whether you're looking at this nationally or in terms of entertainment Look at where we are in the world and in the West. Death is what's used to control us at every turn, at every turn. Right. And look how afraid we are of it. Um, most of us are probably more afraid of like the way we're going to die, maybe than actual death. But um, you know, nonetheless, so that brings to mind then uh, another question of what Mr. Caviso said. Modern day Christians are more afraid of the devil than they are of God. Is that true? How do you interpret that statement? Oh, I, I have seen that to be true. There, well, there's two, and there's two wings of it. You've got the Christians that do, that have forgotten that the devil exists and have let him slip into the shadows and just whisper lies from the shadows, and he's much more dangerous there than he is out in the open. Um, and then, uh, but there are a lot of Christians that um, are infatuated and terrified of the devil, and they think if I, um, you know, I, that they you they are looking for symbolism everywhere they're always trying to figure out where the devil is secretly hiding and whispering and um but really we fight the devil by knowing and loving the truth because his his power is in lies right we know and love the truth and that's how we fight the devil um, and then we tell the truth tell stories that are true fight back with true stories uh, because he is the twister uh, of of reality um, in with his tongue, he twists reality with his tongue and uh, promises things that that he can't uh, deliver and that reality won't deliver. Uh, and we see this happening all all around. You know, the the idea um, that somebody can put on a dress uh, and then become, you know, the the new was it Miss Netherlands? I was just going to say, did you yeah. see Miss Netherlands? And you look at, at the picture of Mr. Netherlands, let's, let's be honest. Yeah, Mr. right. Well, Miss Netherlands, and you're like, they chose that? Really? Right, right. And you think, well, it, at this point, it's just become a, uh, a, an, a, 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 a fight with reality. If enough of us get together and agree together against reality that we can change it. Uh, this is not going to work. And but that's been the way since the beginning. That was the first promise in the well, garden. You, you just, can become like God. Well, and it's really third grade absurd because everybody on every side knows the reality. But it's sort of like when you're a kid and whether you're in a fight with your friends or a fight with your parents, you just decide you're going to be right even when you know you are dead to rights wrong. And, and if you're, if you could be on on the top of your house with the Superman cape on, getting ready to fly. You know what I'm talking about. And you know you did it before. That's how you broke your arm last summer, Billy. Well, no, this time I'm going to do it, and you'll jump just to prove that you can jump. You know what I mean? Like, and you know what's going to happen. You know that this is this is not true. Yet that's where we are. And I do see, though, as you're saying, with with the. Um, if, if, with the effeminization of churches, which also means that we are not as we are not as um, what am I looking for? 
I can't even think of the word right now. We're not as proactive in guarding the truth, right. which means we're not guarding ourselves because we're letting in lies. And then you can see uh, across all denominations, uh, you know, churches folding to this. That's why you see stuff like you, you probably saw the Sparkle Creed that, you know, a few oh weeks my ago. Gosh. And, was, you know, but what's, what's amazing is you got these in churches. That was a Lutheran church, by the way. Um, <laughs> was it Lutheran? I wasn't sure what kind of church it was, yeah, but yeah, I knew it was some mainline. You, you don't remember all the hymns Martin Luther sung about that? Anyway, <laughs> so, but but you, it's amazing when you look at the church footage, how many of it are the kids that, that, that are being paraded around the room and this is happening for and all that stuff. But you, their parents are sitting there. What are they doing? What are they doing? What you that is you oh, I gotta stop because we're well, not well, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's like that scene in Peter Pan, you know, um in the play Peter Pan where uh, if everyone claps hard enough, then the fairies are real. <laughs> so I do I do believe in fairies. I do. I do. But we know that that's that I mean it's it's a kind of magical thinking that says we can change reality if we if we concentrate hard enough, um, <laughs> or if enough of us gather together and agree. Um, so, and the, and that's why they have to use pressure and cancel culture and tactics and ESG scores and because you have because people won't go people won't agree that water will flow uphill without somebody pressuring them. Um, because they know it's not real, right? They know it's uh, opposed to reality. So, um, and, and because of that, all we have to do, we don't even have to have good arguments. We don't have to be perfectly excellent at it. All we have to do is say, they can't have babies. I mean, it's not, this isn't a coercion. All we, yeah. <laughs> if coercion is used and force is used in that way or gimmicks, you that should be your first clue something's wrong here that right. this is right you remember when they were given how many states offered people a five million dollar lottery to take the uh the, the injection <laughs> right what? yeah what? wait what why if do it's i gonna help <laughs> why do i uh, yeah. if it's good for you you just take it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, but, uh, but the same way, if these things were good for people, why would we need to cancel everybody? Why would we need yeah. to take kids out of their homes? Why would we need to covertly kidnap kids in schools with activist uh, uh, embedded teachers in their classrooms? Why would we have to do all that stuff under the cloak of darkness or or by the iron fist of force if it was actually good? Right. Um, but then it comes back to this is, again, this is a spiritual war. If Christians are more afraid of the devil than they are of God, is that why maybe we're not standing up in greater numbers? I think so. And I think because we don't, we don't, know, we don't know how to effectively stand up as well. We, we don't use um, the, uh, the weapons of our warfare, tear down strongholds uh, and oppose lies. But we don't actually have, we haven't been sharpening our weapons because... Our, our rhetoric is bad. It's all responsive. We, we wait around for them to do something and then we say, oh, that's bad rather than actually building something good. And we're not ready to tell the, to, you know, the central rhetoric is always storytelling and we're mm -hmm. not prepped and ready to tell stories and, and, or we won't support our storytellers when they show up. Right. Um, because we say, well, we're the ones with the money and we need you to put this in it. We need you to put that in it. We need you to put this in it rather than, um, you know, the knowing that 
the what we really need is hundreds and we need an army of storytellers that have the freedom to love God and tell the story that they want to tell the way they want to tell it. Um, knowing that that's what they've been doing on the left, right? They get true believers and they, and they give them the, the money and the freedom to go out and create art in support of their cause. They do. Um, and they, they do support them. In fact, I've got from my, on my other show, one of the one of the evidences of why the left is so effective is they will in in communities at the local level what we do we have conferences christians do it yes do it we put our money into conferences and everybody comes out and has speeches and booths and we take selfies and we post them on facebook the end and (laughs) what they do is instead of doing all those conferences because notice they don't have conferences like we do they're not you know they don't have devil cons except for the um, the Democratic National Convention, right? Which they literally <laughs> brought out of the platform. I'm not exaggerating, right? Do you remember when they when they yeah. revolted because they and they literally said we don't want God in the platform? They all booed. The guy down on stage said, um, "Okay, we're keeping it in," and because he knew they were up the creek without a paddle at that point, and there was no way to hide that. But anyway, beside the point, the. I forgot my train of thought. What the heck was I talking about? Because it'll come right uh, back. We have, we have conferences. They do oh, at the local level. What they do is they take their money they would have used for conferences, and they'll pay people 2500 bucks a month to organize and educate in those communities to be community and city leaders. They pay them. And yep. this comes from uh, Bridget, um, Bridget Gabriel, who is a, um, a, a, a political a conservative political operative okay i'm, I'm exactly what okay. actual is but it, this is source you can look her up bridget b-r-i-g-i-t-c-e gabriel spelled regular she'll do that uh she was in a she was interviewed a podcast called the watchman on the wall and uh, this was really interesting insight she gave which was they'll pay people and it's not enough to for you to support yourself but what it is is like if you have a job and, and you just need that little extra uh maybe that's your spending money now or that's you know you can save up for your vacation now um, they'll pay you that. So it's enough to keep you accountable. It's not enough that they're, they don't have enough money to do what they really want to do, but it is enough money to keep that kind of education and that kind of, um, that kind of messaging in every community, um, or in many communities, and certainly in every community that they control around the country. We, whether it's the right politically or churches themselves, and we know churches are in every community in every state across this nation, we have money that we could do that, but we decide to spend, this is my own thing, we decide to spend more money on staff and facilities and infrastructure than we do on the ministry that we purport to do. So what we do is then we make everybody pay double for ministry. We send our missionaries around the world with no money. They come back on their vacation having to beg, borrow, and steal to get money to go back to the field that nobody's actually paying them to do in the first place. Um, we then want our pastors to be everything, all that in a bag of chips, and we pay them a little bit. Um, while they have to be bivocational and everything else. And of course, they're bivocational and they have families and they, they do all this stuff. And yet we want them to be at our beck and call 24-7. And just our priorities are so upside down, in my view. And that's one of the reasons why we're not effective in standing up, in telling these stories, because we, we pay other people to represent us instead of us representing ourselves. And the people that represent us don't actually share our values, a.k.a. They end up turning on us. Yeah. AKA the, the public school system. I could go on. Yeah, this is we. This is we. We still don't have our Saul Alinsky that's come along no. and has yeah has said, "Hey, we're going to 
unless I mean maybe there is one somewhere and and if you know a book that I'm missing, Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals was yeah. the what we need is rules for righteousness. Yeah, rule, rules. <laughs> if you and if so, if you know of that book and I don't know of it, put it in the comments, um, yes. and we'll get the word out. Uh, but but yeah, the the we and we we don't have true believers in, in the cause that are willing to make sacrifices like they do as well. We have, um, you know, what we have is we think that this will benefit our personal um, uh, personal health and and uh, welfare and well being more and so we uh buy in but as soon as it puts any strain on us um as, as soon as doing something for the next generation puts any strain on us building up any sort of inheritance puts a strain on us we turn on it so uh, and that's I think, what we're trying to, to to do with lure is being able let's let's actually our convictions need to begin compelling us into action our, right. our beliefs exactly it's an action and i i would say that it's not that people don't genuinely believe in jesus i, I believe if you profess christ i'm going to believe you and treat you like that um but if that belief is not compelling you into into action that is in some way sacrificial that is a risk that is putting you at odds with comfort with the world um and especially now and especially now at this time in this nation, because we can actually have this battle that we're about to, that we already are in a civil war that is spiritual. We can do it without guns and blood, but if we wait too long, it will be in the streets eventually. There's, right. that, that's where that goes. I'd rather not my kids or grandkids have to do that, which is why I'm doing this now. And, and Jason, you'll know by putting out the movies that we put out, you already see the, the creators that come to lure, many of them, their 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 projects would not be distributed or picked up even by other Christian um, movie right. companies. So right. there already is the boxing out of of society already happening. And you know by saying these things as you're saying on camera, as I'm saying these things on camera, there are now entire industries that will not hire us because we oh, have yeah. this on as this is what we see. Yeah. Even though our views aren't stopping anybody from doing anything. You know, no, exactly. Right. I don't we, affirm it. And I'll tell you that to my dying day. But ultimately, I can't stop you. I, I, I can't. I can stop you right. from doing it to my kids. So I'm going to do that. But other than that, you are going to do what you're going to do, no matter what I think. But the problem is that I exist and I think that, and that's what can't happen. But unless more Christians actually start moving into action, which again is what Lure is offering a platform to be able to do in one area. We're, we're, we we might as well just pack up now, right? I mean, this this is we're, we're trying to train people to blow the to blow the uh, the bugle so that other people will go out and say, "Oh, I, but we'll go out and say, I'm going to live according to reality," <laughs> and I think that's <laughs> what threatens people, right? And now, and now reality has become extreme, and we just need to say, "No, it's not." So you know, I mean, that, I mean, yeah. that's not. It's not that difficult. We actually have the truth on our side, like literally, and it's not it's not political spin. You don't even have to believe in Jesus to see this is true. Okay. Right. So this you know, which is why you mentioned the coalition of churches coming together. We're also seeing a coalition politically where you have yeah. conservatives agreeing with Bill Maher and Joe Rogan. I never, know. never thought <laughs> Who would have ever which is why you ever know, thought. which is why you know. 
that if we could get to Hill Valley, we would find that Biff Cannon has a hotel and is married to Lorraine Baines McFly. <laughs> and right. You know that that has happened somewhere in the in the tears of time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got to I got to move on because we got a, lot, a few minutes and uh, it's actually turned out to be a really good discussion. Not that I wasn't thinking it was going to be, but um, sometimes you just never know where yeah. God is going to bring certain things and take certain things. And there's a lot of value, I think, in what in what you brought, Jason. So I appreciate the time today. I do want to address one of the objections that we've seen that I've seen on social media, particularly some of the Facebook platform, uh, Facebook threads that people say is. It might be hard to swallow when it comes to lore material. We talk about how you know something like Black Rose Ballad is is uh, is a more of a violent telling. Now I yeah. don't think it necessarily means graphic necessarily, but that the violence is there. That the that there are subject matter, subject content that is depicted on screen that wouldn't be depicted in Hallmark or Pure Flix or Angel or whatever. Right. But we feel is important to include. Now, what you might say is, and I'm going to paraphrase the all of the objections into, and these may not be objections. They just may be, well, they are objections, but they are sort of like, you need to answer this question, you know what I mean, for them to, to get on board. So, well, are you saying then that what you need is, you know, garbage and violence in order to be, you know, more attractive and more authentic, which is the same thing that you would say, you know, why, why does the movie need to be rated R? Couldn't they have told that PG-13 or PG, that kind of thing? And so, Jason, I want you to answer this from, from a couple perspectives, or, or a couple of questions in there, and, and give some clarification. Is it something where we're saying, hey, in order to be more real and more like Christ, we need to glory in more sin and depict more sin, and that's what we need to see? Or is it a matter of what we've been talking about this entire episode, which is, the other movies don't deal with this in in a way that's honest. And we want to portray an honest portrayal of these stories so that we can honestly show the redemption of Christ uh, on the other side. I'm not trying to ask and answer the question. I'm just wondering which, which you know, where do we fall down yeah. at Lure Entertainment? Well, there are a couple of things. One, um, the first question I always ask is, is there a righteous use of violence? Right. Is there a righteous use of violence? And if there is, then we have to be able to say uh, violence is on the table when it comes to storytelling, because sometimes it's the thing that needs to happen right? if for for a, for something to be righteous. So if you're driving down the road and you see a little old lady getting mugged, if you don't pull over and grab the tire iron and jump out and help, um, then the lack of violence on your part is sin. Right. That's the um, you, you, that, that's what that's what a man should do is mm-hmm. say, oh, my gosh, that little old lady needs to be protected from those thugs. Um, and, and you're not going to protect them by whispering sweet nothings in their air, ear, but in the in the garden alone with Jesus. Right. You you've got to go. It is a David, David and the uh, um, David and Goliath type of situation or the David's mighty men sort of situation. Don't, don't lose your thought, but I, I got to say this because I'll lose mine. We need to make a series of lure shorts about that very thing. 
and what it would be like the little old lady is getting mugged and you say and it'll be the christian response to whatever and what and there'll be a series of informational videos like do you remember the more you know on on nbc the little <laughs> little PSA? the more you know yeah right exactly yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> In the middle of our cartoons, and like get this out of here, or or, or between Saved by the Bell episodes, yeah. And, but what it would be is instead of the Christian getting out to help, he'd roll down the window, "Ma'am, are you okay? Ah, <laughs> I'll pray for you." And I'll, then pray, I'll pray for you, ma'am. Yeah, if like uh like the Animaniacs. Yeah. And I'll pray yeah. for I'll pray for the villains who are assaulting you, and you would end up inviting them to church. Leave the old lady on the side. Yeah. Or just throw your Bible at them out the window as you drive past. <laughs> Read this. Here's the New Testament that I found in Proverbs. I, I hope it helped. I marked it in James about not stealing. <laughs> oh, you got to so, do that. All right, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go. Continue, please, because I am not on the radar. Okay. <laughs> so if if there is a righteous use of violence, then violence has to be on the table. Now, um. This is why we we have a no nudity rule because there isn't a good argument that I've heard for a righteous use of public nudity. Um, the uh, that there might be a good argument for it that I haven't heard, and you know we could work that through. But I don't think there's an agreed that's not an agreed upon thing. So we it's easy to say, hey, no nudity, um, because there aren't stories that are that benefit um, from the nudity. It, and it's required of them to be able to tell a righteous story. That's the same with blasphemy. You know, in our in the newest version of our contract, um, the 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 uh, that the the creator signs it says, "I will not promote uh, blasphemy of uh, of Jesus or of the Triune God uh, whom Jesus reveals." Mm-hmm. Right. So we're very specific. We this is the God that you, is not allowed to be blasphemed. Um, by the content, you know, so no nudity and no blasphemy of Jesus or the triune God. So, um, we, uh, but whereas violence, um, he, there are stories that in order to tell it right, in order to tell it in a righteous way, um, it, you have to, uh, depict the violence, not to glorify the violence, but to glorify righteousness. Mm-hmm. Right? So our David and Goliath, um, the the sequence that we put out shortly before we we took it down when we uh, launched the new site, um, but it it had a, a lot of blood coming out of the head of Goliath when he lifted it up, and we had people that objected to it, um, said you really have to show all that blood. I was like, well, do we really want do we want to tell the story? I mean, do we <laughs> we there's we aren't telling it for for kids. We're doing that with barely biblical where it's fluff. <laughs> Um, because you don't, because you don't necessarily maybe want a four-year-old seeing the kind of violence um, that that's there. Um, but it's the same if you went in, if you were to depict the temple um, or the tabernacle of the Old Testament, if you didn't, if you didn't uh, show the violence committed against animals, uh, in order to show forth in advance the violence that would be done to the son of Jesus, to the son of God, yeah. then. Um, then you would be not that you would be avoiding the truth. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you're lying because there's appropriate and inappropriate ways to do it. You can cut away and there's all sorts of ways you could, that you can tell the, the story. Um, but if somebody shows that violence and you say, you can't do that, you say, well, we, that wasn't our idea. 
that was God's idea, right? The animals died as um, when they went to leave the garden because somebody had to die that day, and God killed animals in our place um, right out the gate so to make clothes clothing for us. I think so, here's another. I think here's another piece of that though is we live in a time there there as a as a music pastor one of the thing one of the phrases you, you you hear a lot is people remember the music more than the message so we we memorize the song lyrics before we memorize scripture or before we remember the truth that the pastor told us or whatever and having served in both capacities i can tell you that is very yep. true mm-hmm. um and uh, and even even to even to me i mean you know we i know every beatles song back to front you know what i mean right and, yeah and I'm better on scripture memorization, but I don't know scripture like I know Beatles songs, and that uh, that's I'll admit that myself. So, but I think we, we that's true of all of us, right? Or we're quoting movies or whatever it is we're doing. Because one of the things when we can tell biblical stories, biblical truths, biblical events in this way and have it be honest, you're pro- you, there's a good chance that some of the people seeing that will never actually read that part in scripture ever. So they'll never know the violence that was laid, uh, that Jesus endured, was pictured in the violence of the animals in the Old Testament sacrificial system. They'll never never realize the significance of that. And I'm not saying that this is why we must do it, and so therefore we're victims and we have to. I'm just saying it's another way to tell the story because there's a bunch of different ways to tell the stories. And I think Jesus would use every way that he could to tell these stories, and he chose he chose to leave it in the Bible for us to have, the written word. But we have other ways, too, that we can communicate this, and it's important because, again, otherwise, what, what do we get? We get the drive-by, sanitized, or completely wrong yeah. Facebook names. I can do any, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength except for quote this verse in context. Um, <laughs> you know, the, you know uh, um, God won't give you more than you can handle except he always does. And, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, you, but you, people base their lives on these things. They have an incorrect right. picture of their own life of faith, an incorrect picture of Jesus Christ. We also say, have the free gift of salvation. It was not free. It was not free. Just because Jesus gives it to you does not mean it was free. And I think we have cheapened his sacrifice and what happened. But if that's all you know, well, salvation was free and it was given to me and God helps those who help themselves. So, and that becomes your theology. When you see something like this, that's real. Well, gosh, maybe that will help deepen and enrich in your relationship with Christ. And, and, And for some people, Maybe they'll be coming to faith for the first time because they've just been around faith for years and years. I'll give you the last right. word. Well, and I think, yeah, so so I think when it comes to um, things like the depiction of violence, the depiction of temptations, the de- depiction of, of the other things, that we don't want a standard wherein we're holier than God, right? We're, uh, we, we want a standard that we actually have derived from God as the great storyteller. And um, and then as our as we come along as sub creators, like Tolkien calls us sub creators uh, in God's world, that uh, that we tell stories that reflect and uh, glorify and, uh, the kinds of stories that he that he tells that that God the the creator tells, um, and so the uh, and we need all we need all of the tools to be able to tell that. Now it's a it's a dad's job to make sure that the. Uh, that what his kids watch is age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us have been better at that than others. I've, uh, my daughter still is like, dad, you showed me men in black too soon. It's still just <laughs> nightmares. It's like, 
look, Jesus had scars, so I had to make sure you got a few. That's, but, but uh, that's a dad's job, um, and, and not a streaming services job. Our job is to give creators the freedom that they need to be the sub creator that God created them to be, and tell the story that, that to be able to love God and really tell the story that they're trying to tell to love Him with, and um, and then it's a dad's job to sort through that and make sure that the stuff that they that his kids see is appropriate for their age. And we're trying to give those stories too. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the new uh, opening to uh, they, he just, they just released the opening to barely biblical, the theme song. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got Shamgar in there and a wave of fluff as Shamgar is killing all the Philistines. And it's, it's just, it's, it's so good. It, um, it makes me happy. It made my kids, uh, laugh and they uh it reminded them of that old jamie souls song about shamgar the kids song um Mm. from the christian um songwriter jamie souls uh (laughs) that sings through all of the people that massacred gentiles in god's name it's just a very funny wonderful song that but my kids know those stories because we listened to those songs growing up right so when they Mm. come across the, those stories in the book of judges they're like oh i know i know i know this story because i heard it in a song i know this you know he, they didn't get it from veggie tales i'll tell you that right they <laughs> um they got it from guys like jamie souls that love the bible enough to actually teach the real bible to kids through through uh songs and so um so we're trying to free up the creators to love god and really make what they want um, and not be holier than god with our list of storytelling rules and then well, I mean- uh, Go ahead, good. Sorry. Uh, and, and then uh, let let the parents make sure that their things are age appropriate for their kids, and that's not our job. When it comes to the content, when it comes to cheesy or not cheesy, whatever it is, what what you just heard here on this episode is this: you can continue to complain about the lack of quality of product coming out from other studios and other production companies and Hollywood and everything else. When they, that is the, 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 the people with the purse in, in those studios, are betting on the fact that you as a congregation are going to sinfully pressure your pastor to not actually tell the truth about Jesus, they're going to want to sell that product to that pastor, so they're going to intentionally dumb it down so that pastor can keep his job and save some time having to get hate emails and everything else so that no one is offended, no one's edified either, and we all feel like we did something good and yay Christian. <laughs> but the rules for lore are this. Be honest about the, about the truth of Scripture and portray Jesus as accurately as possible. And the things we ask creators not to do is to do something that is contrary to that. That's it. It's not about watering down something so that we can make sure there are butts in seats in churches and movie theaters. It's about sharing an honest, actual truth through a creative storytelling means because where we want people to be is in the kingdom of God. Whether, whether, And hopefully that brings them through to a good church and their butt will be in that seat. But whether or not we're in that seat or in the movie theater, we definitely want to be in the kingdom of God. That's what we're trying to do at Lore. And at the same time, providing being a part of the of the parallel economy, which is necessary. And you're seeing people step out in faith and do this venture in a backwards way. Nobody thinks it will work. That's one of the reasons why I think 
this is going to be a tremendous success and will be a blueprint for companies to come because when all the wizards, wizards of smart get together and say, oh, that's a fad, guess what? It actually becomes the standard in, uh, in a matter of time. Jason Farley, thank you for all your time today. I know you'll be back pretty soon uh, here. On I the will show. be. And uh, we got a lot more to do, so um, stick around uh, till the next show. Well, don't stick around to the next show. I don't know why I started to land the plane saying stick around, because if you did, it'd be like <laughs> another 23 hours or another week or something like that. You should be sitting there, and maybe you will be, but don't do it because I said so. Just come back when the next show goes live. Check it out. Leave some comments. Uh, answer the questions. Let us know what's on your mind. We love to know what you think about uh, all the things we think and, and what's going on and all that kind of thing. But most importantly, subscribe at lure.tv, L-O-O-R.tv. Do it today. Help to fund the movies and the stories that Hollywood. And for Jason Farley, I'm Andrew Southwick. We'll see you next time. <laughs>